It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to the Be The People show. We have a lot to talk about in this episode. We've just had a national election, and as we speak today uh, with my guests, the outcome of the presidential election has not been certified by the states, which means um, we have a situation where Joe Biden has been declared president-elect, and yet there are states that are still counting votes. Joining me here today to talk about all the things that we see taking place in this election that has included big tech uh, putting a thumb on the scale in favor of one candidate over the other, as well as the news media actually declaring the winner of the presidential election before the votes are certified. My guest today has been on Be the People before. It's Dr. Wilfred Riley of Kentucky State University. He's the author of Hate Crime Hoax, How the Left is Selling a Fake Race War, and Taboo, 10 Facts You Can't Talk About. And so I welcome Dr. Riley to the Be the People show. Uh, yeah, glad to be back on. Enjoyed it the last time. Well, I see that you have been doing a lot on Twitter uh, about the election. Uh, would you share with the listeners, some of the experiences you've had with that, uh, but we will get to the big topic of what is happening with big tech and the election. Well, it's an interesting one. I mean, just my personal experiences have tied into some of the questions that we're going to talk about. I mean, for example, posting things from the Trump campaign or on one occasion, the Biden campaign, I've had them flagged as potentially inaccurate. So they're literally, probably at the human level, are people at the social media giants monitoring, moderating your content. Uh, I've also gotten to see some of the anger from the American population in general. Uh, on one occasion, I posted something along the lines of it ain't over yet and lost probably a hundred or so of my left-leaning, I'd guess, minority of followers. But the next day I said, looks like Biden might be president. And I had this, the same effect among conservatives. So you, people are irritated, people are edgy. But through all that, there is this thread of what is the media doing? What is social media doing? One of the questions I asked on Twitter was, if he had been covered fairly by the media and by the social media giants like Twitter and Facebook, and I explained what I meant, like the actual censoring of the Hunter Biden story, would Trump be president again? And the overwhelming majority of people, whether or not they like every aspect of the Donald, said, yeah, probably. I mean, so you, you're seeing these, these crazy things. The, the Pfizer vaccine was announced, completed um, four days after the election. And there wasn't much discussion of it on social media before the election. At, at any rate, I think media definitely had some impact on, on this process. I don't, I don't think too many people would deny that. And I can share with you that I've lost 500 Twitter followers since uh, election night. And I'm not sure if it's the articles I'm posting, perhaps I'm posting too much information, 
but uh, I've noticed a, a steady decline. And it's almost like um, Big Tech is saying, I'll teach you, or maybe it is my fickle Twitter followers. And I doubt if I have had as many liberals following me as you do. And I would say that because the people that, um, well, the people that follow me as liberals are following me just to monitor my behavior. So they shouldn't drop me <laughs> if I post something they don't like. That's, that's genuinely funny. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of different levels here. I mean, many people have more than speculated after talking with friends that were directors or junior VPs at these companies that platforms like Twitter can simply put unfollow people from you. I've had, I've had people talk about this. And interestingly, the only two groups of people I've heard mention this are conservatives, which is the majority, and genuine Bernie Sanders lefties. I don't think I've ever seen Hillary Clinton post a tweet saying, you know, they dropped another thousand from me today. <laughs> but um, I, I'm very open. On a couple of occasions, I've had people message me and ask, you know, bro, did you delete me? And I'll say no. And they will say, well, I discovered that I was not following your platform anymore. Um, that's probably the number of those people probably reaches into the dozens over the past couple months. But I, I think in Occam's razor terms, I prefer the simpler explanation of people were irritated by some of the things I'm saying. However, that power, I mean, if you are in charge of monitoring a block of accounts for Twitter, I don't know exactly how that would take place, but I wouldn't be surprised if you could add and delete people and do a number of the things that are, that are possible on the platform. I mean, the individual user certainly can, and it's the same code. I think it's very interesting, too, and then I really want to get to the presidential election, that they, unless they're having, uh, you know, bots or some type of programming that's monitoring their accounts, you have individuals that are probably very young that have been indoctrinated on a liberal campus, and they are deciding what's true and what isn't true and what can be said and not said. Yeah, that's very true. And I don't I don't want to get into sort of, you know, arrogant nobleman talk or something like that. But I mean, I have a PhD. I'm a pretty successful guy. I mean, it is kind of irritating that some college sophomore doing an internship at Twitter could shut down Will Riley or Carol Swain or for that matter, you know, Trump or Biden. I mean, they've been flagged, especially Trump, obviously, President Trump for things that have been said on their platforms. So th this is something that is real, and it ties into how difficult it is to get in touch with these companies, by the way. Um, oh, I've yes. <laughs> unbelievable. I've had things flagged on Facebook, and I spent a day, I, I can privately message you the number, but I spent a day on platforms like Get Human trying to figure out how you would contact an actual citizen with a job that requires a tie and ask about what you were getting flagged for. And the actual process is you're supposed to sort of click the notification that you're being punished and answer a series of questions. And if you do that, they may direct you to an email that's sort of general customer support. And if you message them, you know, after 12 hours or whatever, the college sophomore would describe it, I'll message you back. And this is a process that makes it very, very difficult to challenge anything that's happening. And to a certain extent, it's got to be a fun, powerful feeling job to be the young tech guy who's flagging Donald Trump. I oh, mean, I, I can imagine that as well. You have the ability to tell the president to shut up. He doesn't know who you are. You're an anonymous face behind a bird logo. But this is, this is an extraordinary power. I mean, you literally can take down the statements of almost anyone on earth, or you can put a notification under them indicating that they're probably lies. 
And it's very, very difficult to follow up on that and talk to anyone and say, no, I'm telling the truth. I don't, don't mean to just be complaining, but that is a significant power. And that is, that, that is one of the reasons you're having congressional and senatorial hearings about this. Now, what, what can social media do? What can they get away with? Um, very quick sentence here. My understanding of their process after talking to some people that are in that field is generally that there is an automated reaction to certain terms or lines of code that's designed to prevent things like the posting of child pornography. But beyond that, what you're getting is generally just a reaction to reporting. If two or three people report a tweet, that tweet is probably going to be downgraded in terms of reach or even flagged. And if that process continues, if, you know, more foul language piles up in the comments or more people keep reporting, eventually a person might look at it. And that's when you'd get a comment like this is not suitable for Twitter or whatever. But if you attempt to challenge that by saying, well, these are just political rivals of mine online, that's when you get into that whole complex process that, you know, we've been joking ends in the sophomore. That's when you're answering their questions and you're emailing their support. You're calling the few people you know in the company. And it, it's designed to be this way. It's designed to be very difficult for taxpayers just to challenge them and say, what the hell are you doing? Um, it, that is intentional. That's a feature and not a bug, if you will. And also, uh, you notice how Twitter hands out its blue check mark. It has nothing to do with how many followers you have uh, because you can, ha you can be a progressive and have you know 10,000, 20,000 followers and have the blue uh, check mark that you authenticate, authenticated. And you can be a conservative and have 100,000 or 200,000 followers and not have a blue check mark. Well, this, this is actually a running joke on my page. I mean, I'm up around 20,000 on Twitter, probably across my Facebook pages combined. I've got about 100,000. And I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm a giant on social media, but I have a pretty good presence. And I have buddies, like one I like a lot. is a guy named Lamar Stancil, center left black dude. I'll give him a shout out here. But he's got, I think, 1,600 followers and he's got the blue check mark as a <laughs> black artist. And I, I messaged him and it's like, man, what, what's going on here? How could this be, how did that happen? He was like, you gave it to me. I didn't request it. You know, and that is that is pretty common. I'm, again, great guy, but I have, I have a couple of friends that are in that position. One is a feminist artist I've gone on a couple of dates with. She got it at around 3,000. I mean, so I, every couple of weeks when I hit a milestone, like I think I'll be at 25,000 in a week or so, I just post, hey, Jack, I'm a black creator. Where's my blue check mark? And I've never got, I, I've actually gotten sort of mocking responses from people at Twitter, like, guess you aren't making enough of a contribution. But I've never gotten a direct reply from anyone in their C-level. And I've never, I still don't have the check mark. I think you do. But no, I don't. Really? No, you're, you're not blue check mark? No, I'm not. But, yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> that's yeah, it's totally selective, obviously. They're, again, there are people that make this call. And this isn't going to be the divisional director or whatever making that call. It's just sort of people deciding who's a significant individual. And that can get extremely bizarre if you're talking about like 25-year-old tech bros. Like I remember Doja Cat early in her career, um, like you know, bisexual artist and pop singer. I mentioned sexuality because she talks about it a lot. She has an album called Hot Pink. You know, it's perfectly solid music. I'm a little cousin likes it. But I mean, she very early on was blue checked and recognized across social media. And then you see these sort of philosophers of science that aren't. And you wonder, is do the people that are doing this know who they are? You know, Karl Popper or Charles Murray or whoever. Like, is, the, is there that level of awareness there? So anyway, it, it's everyone likes to work the refs and complain about sort of the rules of the platform they're on. But in the case of Twitter, they really are pretty incoherent. Like yeah, it, they it are. Just, 
So we're going to take a break. And when we return, I'd like to get your thoughts about the state of the 2020 uh, presidential election, because that has been a big topic of conversation. And as far as I'm concerned, and I think you too, everything is in flux. Be the People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. Sixty years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. Well, AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. Join us. We're in this together. And we consider you part of our family in our crusade to share the news, commentary, and agenda that can lead America back again. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. I'm back with my guest, Wilfred Raleigh, and we're talking about big tech and about politics and now the presidential election. Wilfred, what do you think is going to happen And at some point before we end our conversation, I want you to share with the audience what you think the lessons are that we have learned, you know, putting on your political science hat and maybe you never take it off. I take it off sometimes for my spiritual hat, Um, but I don't see a conflict between the two. So what are your thoughts about what is taking place right now? And as we speak, uh, the media has declared Joe Biden the president-elect, and there are states that are still counting votes. I think there's a lot here. I mean, at the first level, there's the question of what happened during the election. At the second level, there's the question of what happens now. So I agree with you, by the way. The election is by no means over. I'll actually start with that. Um, My understanding is that there are something like five automatic recounts that are going to be triggered by the fact that one of the candidates, and in every case, and we'll get into that, it was Uncle Joe Biden, won by less than 0.5% of the vote. But those recounts are going to take place over the next week or two. Um, I will say Recounts don't normally flip more than a few thousand votes, um, but outside of Michigan, some of these margins are pretty close. That's, that is a possibility in terms of uh, President Trump attempting to come back and get the win. I also, I mean, and he's announced this, I would expect litigation aimed at disqualifying, for example, blocks of votes. Um, in Pennsylvania, for example, there were extremely lenient, to put it mildly, standards about what counted as a legal vote or an eligible vote. So 
Um, as I understood, they allowed votes that came in after election day, although those votes have been placed in separate bins. I understand are being counted separately. Um, they Except for the ones they backdated. That, that's another, that, that's the second question, voter fraud. I mean, so we know that they allowed in votes that they received after the election. We also know that there was this issue of what I've heard called postmark flexibility, where a vote that didn't have a legible postmark or that didn't have a postmark at all, if it came from a small rural county, would be counted as received before the election. Again, if you're talking about a recount that could flip 5,000 votes, all this gets extremely relevant if you have tens of thousands of votes in these categories. So that the, uh, the appellate litigation and the recounts are definitely things that are going to happen. The issue that President Trump keeps raising is the question of voter fraud or election irregularities. And I think this is an interesting one because... First of all, I mean, my mom was a union teacher in Chicago during the 90s. I think at some point everyone kind of suspects what could have happened in a sealed hall in Detroit or Philadelphia. I mean, come on. You know, so there, there's, that, there's that element of questioning there. And there also are some specific allegations, for example, that poll workers, um, I believe this was in Detroit, the GOP block of poll workers were told to leave at least one major polling place. People were given sort of inconsistent statements about when votes were going to be counted. There's been one allegation of backdating of votes. The real question, I guess, with the voter fraud stuff is, is a court going to take that seriously? Is there gonna be substantial proof of that that Trump might be holding back for the trial? And is that going to invalidate enough votes that it has a significant impact on the election. It could very well be that in the backdating situation, for example, 800 votes are invalidated, someone faces a year or so in jail, but you're looking at a deficit of perhaps 100,000 votes. So all this remains to be resolved. I mean, essentially, there are going to be some legal challenges to things like the uh, Philadelphia after election votes. They're going to be recounts. And then there's going to be probably an attempt to demonstrate voter fraud. Right now, I will say most betting sites have a pretty substantial over 60-40, generally way over that advantage for Joe Biden. Uh, the argument is that he's been declared president. Trump might not catch up in all these states. But on the other hand, they also had similar margins before the election. So we, we've well, got to- yeah. yeah, we know the media was the one that made the declaration. What about this uh, voting system, Dominion, and I think it what is it hammer and sidekick the software that was used to count votes in 29 states. Uh, now they have information that ties it to the Clinton Foundation. Some of the people that work there, the Clinton Initiative, Act Blue. Does that really matter that these people were behind designing the program and the possibility that the program itself, which was created originally by to be used by the CIA in foreign nations to flip elections, that it could have actually been programmed to flip this election. And we were all watching uh, on Tuesday night when uh, they decided they were gonna stop uh, counting votes in certain places and uh, the things when, when it looked like President uh, Trump was gonna sail to a victory, all of a sudden things started getting shut down. Well, I, th I think that, that what you just described is the reason that a lot of people, especially on the right-wing side of the fence, have felt some skepticism about this election. I mean, without venturing into conspiracy theory, I, I don't necessarily think you have to here. I mean, on election night itself. Well, wait a minute, Wilford. 
What's to that? me, uh, you become a conspiracy theorist when you get too close to the truth, and that's used <laughs> to shut people up. Yeah, no, and I, I actually don't think you are, as of, at this point, conspiracy theorist. Now, no. that, that's an interesting <laughs> question. So, first of all, just quick deviation. I was talking about this with a buddy from law school who's gone on to become an extremely powerful man for, I'm not going to name him, but it's an accurate description. And one of the things that he said, we we're having a few drinks relaxing, is do you think there aren't conspiracies? I mean, do you not think that people on the basis of family connections or school ties or something like that, who are in powerful positions regularly do illegal things that they make it fairly difficult to track. And I didn't argue with them on that. I said, well, I mean, I, I would assume obviously that's the case. Uh, so conspiracy theorizing, I mean, I think if you're saying Bigfoot is real out in the woods, you might be crazy. If you're saying, you know, there might be some truth to the Hunter Biden story, I wouldn't put that in the conspiracy theoretics category. I mean, you can watch the Hunter Biden video on GTV if you want to, I'd advise against it. But Anywho, um, I think that on election night, pretty much everybody saw what looked like an impending Trump win. Um, I remember when I went to bed, Pennsylvania was uh, tinted dark red. It was a probable Trump state, Georgia, North Carolina, <laughs> so on down the line. Um, Nevada, I believe, was light blue. It was very neutral, very close race between those guys. And when I woke up and then subsequently for the next couple of days, what essentially happened was that more Biden, Biden votes came in or were found and the states began to flip blue one by one. Uh, I remember Jane, actually, I was at the gym texting me and saying Georgia and Pennsylvania just went over to Joe Biden. And it was a bit of a surprise to me because in Pennsylvania, Trump had had a 600,000 vote lead. Well, I had been there knocking on doors. And to me, that election night, when they said that water main broke in Georgia and they were shutting down things in Georgia, I knew he was in trouble. I text back with a friend that this is not good. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, sort of, the one thing I will say, I do not think that so far I have seen legally probative evidence, speaking as a guy with a law degree, of voter fraud that a judge is going to listen to. Now, talking among friends, the question is, are there a lot of things that would make someone, especially someone with third world experience in political science, a bit suspicious? I mean, the short answer is yes. Um, you, when you mention the dominion of voting technology, that is the system that, quote unquote, accidentally flipped 6,000 votes in one of the Michigan counties. And the company behind the technology and the government of Michigan essentially said, well, this is human error. We didn't update the software package, which led to some coding vulnerabilities that caused this, as I understand. I could be off by a little. But the question would then be, did all 47 counties across 29 states that used this package, did they update the software in time? Um, I mean, that seems like an odd thing for a software non-update to cause. You know, I, I would personally very much support, say, a hand recount of those votes across those regions. But that, that's an example of something that would make many people suspicious. But it would um, also could potentially yield the most for the Trump administration. And there's every reason, given what we know uh, happened during the Obama administration with the intelligence agencies, there's every reason to suspect that the people that hate Trump would hate him enough that they would do anything to get him out of office. Well, th this gets into, again, my buddy's comment, like you, unless you are at a fairly high role in the military, the intelligence community, you often don't necessarily know what's going on behind the scenes. 
So again, the issue here, the reason a lot of people are reluctant to talk about this, if you look at kind of the center right in the USA, is that there doesn't seem to be that proof. I mean, a video of 50 people throwing ballots away. On the other hand, when people bring up Dominion voting systems or the Georgia, they had a water main break in the polling place. I mean, uh, something like that. Um, the percentage of the vote in Michigan or Pennsylvania that went to Joe Biden officially. I mean, in some counties, that was 98% by mail. I think that a lot of people will look at that and say, I feel like something had to have happened here. Um, what I would personally advocate, I suppose, is first, do all of the recounts, um, pursue all of the legal challenges that President Trump is pursuing. I'd also personally, like I said, advocate a hand recount of all of the Dominion counties. I don't think that would turn up nothing. Um, and I think most of that will happen. And at the end of that process, then we will know who the president is. I also will say this, this again, one- oh, Wilfred, it, I, I, I'm go, now I will go into the realm of conspiracy theorists. Uh, I, I, I was told, and you may remember back in 2012 that people were reporting when they were uh, voting that the machine was, they would cast a vote and it would flip over and that those systems were used in 2012. And so there were, there was suspect, uh, it was suspected that the software was cheating and giving votes to candidates back then. Uh, are you familiar with that? I am. Um, I think that there, there are a couple different levels so first of all, there are ways to check a lot of this. Um, but it requires an audit, and most candidates will, will go along with it. And so if President Trump was just like your regular run-of-the-mill Republican, he would have conceded by now, and you would never get to the bottom of what may or may not have happened. I think, so I think there are a lot of issues. So two things can be true at once. I'm pretty sure that if I were Donald Trump Jr., for example, I would throw everything up at the wall and see if anything sticks. I mean, I've been harassed by the left for four years. I, I probably don't mind living in the White House. So on the one hand, you know, are the voting machines really changing ones to twos? Probably not. But on the other hand, I think that it's very, very common for the other side in a controversy like this to take a few extreme arguments and use them to try to present a series of reasonable questions as nonsense. I mean, and we've seen this more than anything else I've seen recently with the Hunter Biden story. Um, and I'm, I'm only going to spend 30 seconds on Hunter Biden. All right, go ahead. I'm not running for anything, but I mean, the, the Hunter Biden stuff is real. I mean, you can see it. Uh, GTV, the Chinese American joint venture, uploaded all the pictures and videos. Uh, WikiLeaks has them. I mean, again, now you kind of need a strong stomach to watch some of that stuff. But, and I, you know, the, a lot of the crazier allegations like minors are involved. So on. I mean, at very least, no media entity is going to post that content. But the basic like was they're not even covering it. They didn't yeah. cover it. And now it's kicked off the news cycle. Yeah. But no, the 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 basic content about was this guy smoking crack while introducing people to his vice president father? Was he, quote unquote, consorting with prostitutes? Whether or not you think that's relevant, all that stuff actually did happen. I mean, you can find it online. Um, so I think that the presentation of that as a sort of conspiracy theory is an example of how thoroughly information can be suppressed. If you go to Wikipedia and you search Hunter Biden, if you go to Hunter Biden's profile page, 
One of the descriptions of him is, Hunter Biden has unfortunately been the subject of many baseless conspiracy theories from the right. No description of drugs, women, anything like this, influence peddling. Uh, there's one note in it, sort of his resume bio that he served on the board of Burisma. Hunter Biden had no oil gas experience. You don't just get appointed to the board of Burisma. That's like GE. I mean, so you, the mainstream media definitely can take information and make it vanish. Um, we haven't yet seen a lot of hard proof of large-scale voter fraud. However, I think many people looking at the Dominion situation, many people looking at the percentages of the vote in Georgia, so on, are kind of suspicious. We'll see if anything comes out of that. One very quick comment on voter fraud. When people say that there is very little evidence of voter fraud, when, for example, uh, people generally on the left will argue you've only seen 80 cases this year or whatever, that's because you don't need an ID to vote. I mean, it would be very, That's very, right. yeah, it would be very, very difficult to demonstrate voter fraud. The way voter fraud works for future reference is not generally like one drunk guy goes down to the polls and tries to vote twice. Um, it would be, for example, in Chicago in the old days, the unions were famous for what's called union slate fraud, where someone would keep track of all of the active members in a union local. And on election day, if you're talking about teachers, hypothetically, 20% of them might well be on vacation, out of state, family business, something like that. You would allegedly send in younger proxies to vote for those people. That's how voter fraud would actually occur at the level of, say, two or 3,000 votes. Um, something else that occurs, um, at least in state- Well, voting the day, it has been very common. And sure. you know, the 1960 election uh, seems to be an election where the president Kennedy won through voter fraud. And there's a quote of his father saying that he wasn't going to buy a landslide. That, that's a famous event. The old Jack Kennedy was a former bootlegger, <laughs> one of the history's great rogues. But no, I mean, it, that can definitely occur. The question really, oh, but it's, I mean, some other things actually today that are new variations. I mean, so ballot harvesting is legal. We're going to need to take another break. And when we return, uh, we're going to close out this conversation. I'll give you a few minutes to talk about your books. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's word with miraculous results? There is such a book. Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a handbook that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesoardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, Wilfred Raleigh, and we are closing out this conversation about big tech, the presidential election, and various things that are taking place. So, um, what are your parting thoughts? And the Supreme Court, we are waiting to see if they weigh in. Uh, my parting thoughts are we'll have to see what happens here. I mean, again, just as a very quick follow from the last conversation, ballot harvesting is legal in the United States within what they consider to be reason. But that's another example of how voter fraud would happen. Uh, we saw a video on, I believe, Instagram Live recently that Project Veritas highlighted where a guy literally went around to a community that included a lot of older, low-income ladies, collected like 500 ballots, allegedly, allegedly, and planned on delivering them to a political campaign. If those were filled in and sent in by mail, that is an example of, again, almost untrackable voter fraud. 
Um, another example of voter fraud would be non-vetting of the motor voter rolls. Uh, so, for example, we have motor voter in the USA. If you go in, you get a new license, you're generally registered to vote. Does anyone check to see if you're an illegal immigrant or if you have one low-grade felony on the record? Probably not. Not in states I've looked at. So, again, is that a large number of people that are voting that shouldn't be? Yeah, that's how it happens. It's not, it's not one guy. The issue with this is that it's all right. pretty untraceable. Right. Wilfred, I'm, I'm going to be uh, posting in the show description links to your books, which I highly uh, recommend. And do you have a website? Well, I don't. I'm currently working on an improved version of a website that I very briefly had up, but I'm pretty easy to find online. I'm um, Wilfred Riley on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, both of my books, Hate Crime Hoax and Taboo, 10 Facts You Can't Talk About, are in the top couple of thousand on Amazon. You can find them on that platform. I mean, if you search me, my college email, Wikipedia page, so I'll pop up in the first page of results. So I encourage people to get in touch with me. And uh, they, though, that information will be in the show description of the podcast. So if you're listening on radio, you can find this show by going to my website, bethepeoplenews.com. And so, Wilfred, thank you so much for being on the show. And I hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, of course, I look, I look forward to coming back on and uh, chopping it up about the state of affairs at that point. Yeah, maybe by then we'll know more. Know who the president is, maybe. Yes, right. And to the audience, remember, it's up to you, the we the people mentioned in the preamble of the Constitution, to stand up and be the people who reclaim our nation and protect our way of life. Until next time. 